Section 2 of The Blue Behemoth by Lee Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Chris Fong. Kanza the Martian Croaker was bending over me when I woke up. His little brown face was crinkled with laughter. He'd lost most of his teeth, and he gummed thackweed. It smelt. You pretty, Miss Jig, he giggled. You funny like hell! He slapped some cold, greasy stuff on my face. It hurt. I cursed him and said, Where's Shannon? How is he? Miss Bucky, okay. You save life. You big hero. Miss Jig. Miss Gow, come nick a time, get snakes. You hero, huh? You funny like hell. I said, yeah, and pushed him away and got up. I almost fell down a couple of times, but presently I made it to the mirror over the washstand. I was in my own cell, and I saw what Kanza meant. The damned snakes had done a good job. I looked like I was upholstered in scotch plaid. I felt sick. Bucky Shannon opened the door. He looked white and grim, and there was a big burn across his neck. He said, Beamish is here with his lawyer. I picked up my shirt. Right with you. Kanza went out, still giggling. Bucky closed the door. Jig, he said. Those vapor worms were all right when we went in. Somebody followed us down and let them out. On purpose. I hurt all over. I growled. With that brain, son, you should go far. Nobody saw anything, of course? Bucky shook his head. Question is, Jig, who wants to kill us, and why? Beamish. He realizes he's been gypped. One hundred you sees, said Bucky softly. For a few lousy Swamp Edge mining camps? It stinks, Jig. You think we should back out? I shrugged. You're the boss, man. I'm only the guy that beats off the creditors. Yeah, Bucky said reflectively. And I hear starvation isn't a comfortable death. Okay, Jig, let's go sign. He put his hand on the latch and looked at my feet. And, uh, Jig... Ah, I said, skip it. The next time, just don't trip me up, that's all. We had a nasty trip to Venus. Gertrude kept the brute tank on edge, and Gal, on the rare occasions he came up for air, went around looking like a disaster hoping to happen. To make it worse, Zert the Jovian strongman got hurt during the takeoff, and the Mercurian cave cat had kittens. Nobody would have minded that. Only one of them had only four legs. It lived just long enough to scare that bunch of superstitious dopes out of their pants. Circus people are funny that way. Shannon and I did a little quiet sleuthing, but it was a waste of time. Nobody in the gang might have let those electric worms out on us. It didn't help any to know that somebody, maybe the guy next to you at dinner, was busy thinking of ways to kill you. By the time we hit Venus, I was ready to do a Brody out the refuse chute. Shannon set the crate down on the edge of Naru, 
the first stop on our itinerary. I stood beside him, looking out the ports at the scenery. It was Venus, all right. Blue mud and thick green jungle and rain, and a bunch of ratty-looking plastic shacks huddling together in the middle of it. Men in slickers were coming out for a look. I saw Beamish's sleek yacht parked on a cradle over to the left, and our router's runabout beside it. Bucky Shannon groaned. A blue one, Jig. A morgue if I ever saw one. I snarled, what do you want with this lousy dog and pony show? And went out. He followed. The gang was converging on the lock, but they weren't happy. You get so you can feel those things. The steamy Venus heat was already sneaking into the ship. While we passed the hatchway to the brute tank, I could hear Gertrude screaming. The canvas men were busy setting up the annex, slopping and cursing in the mud. The paste brigade was heading for the shacks. Shannon and I stood with the hot rain running off our slickers, looking. I heard a noise behind me and looked around. Ara the Nahali woman was standing in the mud with her arms up and her head thrown back, and her triangular mouth open like a thirsty dog. She didn't have anything on but her blue-green hard-scaled hide, and she was chuckling. It didn't sound nice. You find a lot of Nahali people in sideshows, doing tricks with the electric power they carry in their own bodies. They're Venusian middle swampers. They're not human, and they never forget it. Ara opened her slitted red eyes and looked at me and laughed with white reptilian teeth. Death, she whispered. Death and trouble. The jungle tells me. I can smell it in the swamp wind. The hot rain sluiced over her. She shivered, and the pale skin under her jaw pulsed like a toad's, and her eyes went red. The deep swamps are angry, she whispered. Something has been taken. They are angry, and I smell death in the wind. She turned away, laughing, and I cursed her, and my stomach was tight and cold. Bucky said, Let's eat if they have a bar in this dump. We weren't halfway across the mud puddle that passed on a landing field when a man came out of a shack on the edge of the settlement. We could see him plainly, because he was off to one side of the crowd. He fell on his knees in the mud, making noises. It took him three or four tries to get our names out clear enough to understand. Bucky said, Jig! It's Sam Camper! We started to run. The crowd, mostly big, unshaken miners, wheeled around to see what was happening. People began to close in on the man who crawled and whimpered in the mud. Sam Capper was a hunter, supplying animals to zoos and circuses and carnivals. He'd given us good deals a couple of times, when we weren't too broke and we were pretty friendly. I hadn't seen him for three seasons. I remembered him as a bronzed, hard-bitten guy, lean and tough as a twist of tongue wire. I felt sick looking down at him. Bucky started to help him up. Capper was crying, and he jerked all over like animals I've seen that were scared to death. Some guy leaned over and put a cigarette in his mouth and lighted it for him. 
I was thinking about Capper then, and I didn't pay much attention. I only caught a glimpse of the man's face as he straightened up. I didn't realize until later that he looked familiar. We got Capper inside the shack. It turned out to be a cheap bar with a couple of curtain booths at the back. We got him into one and pulled the curtain in a lot of curious faces. Capper dragged hard on the cigarette. The man that gave it to him was gone. Bucky said gently, Okay, Sam, relax. What's the trouble? Capper tried to straighten up. He hadn't shaved. The lean, hard lines of his face had gone slack, and his eyes were bloodshot. He was covered with mud, and his mouth twitched like a sick old man's. He said thickly, I found it. I said I'd do it, and I did. I found it, and brought it out. The cigarette stub fell out of his mouth. He didn't notice it. Help me, he said simply. I'm scared. His mouth drooled. I got it hidden. They want to find out, but I won't tell them. It's got to go back. Back where I found it. I tried to take it, but they wouldn't let me. And I was afraid they'd find it. He reached suddenly and grabbed the edge of the table. I don't know how they found out about it, but they did. I've got to get it back. I've got to... Bucky looked at me. Capper was blue around the mouth. I was scared suddenly. I said, get what back where? Bucky got up. I'll get a doctor, he said. Stick with him. Capper grabbed his wrist. Capper's nails were blue and the cords in his hand stood out like guy wires. Don't leave me. Got to tell you where it is. Got to take it back. Promise you'll take it back. He gasped and struggled over his breathing. Sure, said Buggy. Sure, we'll take it back. What is it? Capper's face was horrible. I felt sick listening to him fight for air. I wanted to go for a doctor anyway, but somehow I knew it was no use. Capper whispered, Canson! Mail! Only one! You don't know! Take him back! Where is it, Sam? I reached across Bucky suddenly and jerked the curtain back. Beamish was standing there. Beamish, bent over, with his ear cocked. Capper made a harsh, strangling noise and fell across the table. Beamish never changed expression. He didn't move while Bucky felt Capper's pulse. Bucky didn't need to say anything. We knew. What? said Beamish finally. Yeah, said Bucky. He looked as bad as I felt. Poor Sam. I looked at the cigarette stub smoldering on the table. I looked at Beamish with his round, dead baby face. I climbed over Shannon and pushed Beamish suddenly down into his lap. Keep this guy here till I get back, I said. Shannon stared at me. Beamish started to get indignant. Shut up, I told him. We got a contract. I yanked the curtain shut and walked over to the bar. I began to notice something then. 
there were quite a lot of men in the place. At first glance, they looked okay, a hard-faced, muscular bunch of miners in dirty shirts and high boots. Then I looked at their hands. They were dirty enough, but they never did any work in a mine on Venus or anywhere else. The place was awfully quiet for that kind of a place. The bartender was a big, pot-bellied swamp edger with pale eyes and thick white hair coiled up on top of his bullet head. He was not happy. I leaned on the bar. Lahak, I said. He poured it, sullenly, out of a green bottle. I reached for it, casually. That guy we brought in, I said. He sure has a skinful, passed out cold. What's he been spiking his drinks with? Selak, said a voice in my ear. As if you didn't know. I turned. The man who had given Capper the cigarette was standing behind me, and I remembered him then. Circus people get around a lot, and the law supplies us with wanted sheets. I remembered this guy from the last batch they handed us on Mars. Melak Thompson was his name, and he had a reputation. He had a face you wouldn't forget. Dark and kind of handsome with the drylander blood showing in the heavy bones and the tilted green eyes. His mouth was smiling and brutal. He nodded at the booth. Let's take a walk, he said. We took a walk. The men sitting at the dirty tables were still silent and still not miners. I began to sweat. The booth was a little crowded with us all in there. I sat jammed up against Sam Capper's body. Bucky Shannon's gray-green eyes were sleepy, and there was a vein beating on his forehead. Beamish said to Melak, Capper's dead. Dead, without talking. That's tough. Melak shook his dark head. We was gentle with him. Yeah, I said. Capper had been a good guy, and I was mad. Feed anybody enough Selak, and you can afford to be. It's a dirty death. Selak's made from a Venusian half-cousin of Henbane, which is what scopolamine comes from. It has a terrific effect on the heart. And Capper had simply torn himself apart trying to keep from talking while he was under the influence. Bucky Shannon made a slow, ugly move to get up. Beamish said, Sit down. There was something in his voice and his bland blue eyes. Shannon sat down. Melak was looking at Beamish, still grinning. Well, he said, I guess your idea was pretty good after all. I had a sudden inspiration. The burns were still sore on my body, and Rapper's tortured face was close to mine, and I took a wild shot at something I wasn't even sure I saw. Yeah. I said. A swell idea. Why did you try so hard to butch it, Melak? He stopped grinning. Beamish looked forward a little. My tongue stuck in my mouth, but I managed to say, You get it, Bucky? A male Canson, Capper said. The only one in captivity, maybe even on Venus. Worth its weight in credit slips. That's why Beamish was so happy to overpay us to get us out here. 
because he thought Gertrude could find her boyfriend fast, even if Capper didn't talk. I turned to Melak again. A swell idea. Why did you have those vapor snakes turned loose on us? Did you think Capper was enough? He struck me, pretty hard, across the mouth. My head banged back against the booth wall, and for a minute I couldn't see anything but spangles of fire shooting around. I heard Beamish say, from a great distance, How about it, Melak? It was awfully still in the booth. I swallowed some blood and blinked my eyes clear enough to see Bucky Shannon poised across the table, like a bow starting to unbend. And suddenly, somewhere far off over the drum of rain on the flimsy roof, there began to be noises. I hadn't been comfortable up till then. I'm no Superman, nor one of those guys you read about who can stare death in the eye and shatter him with a light laugh. But all of a sudden, I was afraid. Afraid so that all the fear I'd felt before was nothing. And it was funny, too. I didn't know what it was, then, but I knew what it wasn't. It wasn't Beamish, or Melak, or those hard guys beyond the curtains, or even Capper's body pressed up against me. I didn't know what it was, but I wanted to get down on the floor and hide myself in a crack, like a cockroach. The others felt it too. I remember the sweat standing out on Bucky Shannon's forehead, and the sudden tightening of Beamish's jaw, and the glitter in Melak's green eyes. Beyond the curtains, there was an uneasy stirring of feet. The confused, distant noise grew louder. Somewhere, not very far away, a woman began to scream. Beamish said softly, You dirty double-crossing rat! His face was still deadpan. Only now it was like something beaten out of iron. His hands were out of sight under the table. Melek smiled. I could feel his body shift and tense beside me. Sure, he said. I double-crossed you. Why not? I planted a guy in the circus hammer gang, and he crawled in the sewage lock and tried to get these punks. I'm glad now he bungled it. Capper had guts. Beamish whispered, You're a fool. You don't know what you're playing with. I've done research, and I do. Too bad you wasted the time, said Melak. Because you're through. He threw himself suddenly aside, lifting the table hard into Beamish. The curtains ripped away, and he rolled in them, twisting like a snake. I yelled to Bucky and dropped flat. Beamish had drawn a gun under the table. The blast of it seared my face. The next second, four heavy blasters spoke at once. Beamish's gun dropped on the floor. Then it was quiet again, and I could hear the woman screaming, outside in the beating rain. Melak got up. Sure I double-crossed you, he said softly. Why should I split with anybody? Nobody knows about it but us. Capper couldn't send word from the swamps when he caught it, and he couldn't send word from here because he wasn't let. That critter'll bring anything I ask of it. Why should I split with you? 
Beamish didn't answer. I don't think Melak thought he would. The noise from outside was getting louder. Bucky groaned. It's coming from the pitch, Jig! Trouble! We've got to... The table was yanked from over us. We got up off our knees. Melak looked at us. He was shaking a little, and his green eyes were mean. I don't think, he said. I really need you guys around, either. He jerked his head suddenly. Cripes, I wish that dame would shut up. It was getting on my nerves, too. That monotonous, sawing screech. Melak stepped aside. Get him, boys. I don't want him dragging their outfit down on our necks. Four blaster barrels came up. My insides came up with them. I was way beyond anything then. Even panic. Gao burst in through the doorway. He was soaked in the skin, tattered, bleeding, and wild-eyed. He yelled, Boss! Gertrude! Then he saw the guns and stopped. It was very still in the place. Outside there was sound rising like a sullen tide against the walls. The woman screaming became something not human, and then stopped short. Gao said, almost absently, Gertrude went nuts. We'd brought her cage up from the tank for the show and she broke out. There wasn't nothing we could do. She busted a lot of cages and then disappeared. Melak snarled something. I don't know what. The wall behind Gao jarred, buckled, and split open around the doorway. Bamboo fragments clattered on the floor. Somebody yelled, and a blaster went off. Gertrude stood in the splintered opening. She looked at us with cold, mad green eyes, towering huge and blue against the low roof, her hands swinging and her crest erect. She let go one wild, whistling screech and came straight toward the booth. Bucky Shannon touched my arm. Clam into your brassies, kid, he muttered. Here's our chance! I caught his shoulder. He followed the line of my pointing, and I felt him tremble. Gertrude was coming at us like a rocket express. Behind her, wet and glistening from the hot rain, came three more just like her. End of section two.